This is the Cato Daily Podcast for Monday, November 21st, 2016. I'm Caleb Brown. Donald Trump has made his opposition to trade deals a central part of his presidential campaign, but one of his proposals that may find some common ground with free traders is the trouble with foreign governments subsidizing key industries. Cato adjunct scholar Scott Linsicum argues that before the U.S. can effectively oppose these business subsidies from government, we'll have to stop subsidizing American business interests. Donald Trump earned great applause uh, throughout his campaign for things like uh, 35% tariffs on uh, goods that U.S. companies had uh, moved production overseas or out of the country. Uh, He's also said that uh, various trade deals that the U.S. has signed were the worst, they're terrible, and uh, he wants to um, fix or repair or win again on issues like trade. But there is the possibility, at least, for some common ground on the issue of industrial subsidies. So explain that issue and uh, explain how he might be, in fact, correct on on this uh, this one issue area of trade, right? So you know, as you said, throughout the campaign, um, there was so much that Donald Trump said on trade that was just incorrect or outright dangerous. Whether it be slapping you know 35, 45 percent tariffs on imports or um, uh, ripping up our FTAs, but. In the um, stream of consciousness that is Donald Trump's trade policy, um, he did, I think, stumble upon um, something that's that's quite correct, and that is the problem right now in the in the world with uh, global subsidies and uh, a global subsidies race of sorts. Um, you know, it, in the last decade or so, starting really right around uh, right after the Great Recession, uh, governments around the world funneled billions and billions of dollars towards preferred industries, whether it be steel or autos or chemicals, you name it. Um, The United States, of course, did the same um, with solar panels and the auto bailouts and the rest. Now, uh, China in the last few years has even accelerated that uh, subsidization even more. And this is a, a legitimate trade problem, and Trump has discussed perhaps going to the World Trade Organization to litigate uh, this, to challenge China's subsidies and and maybe others. And um, that is an actually legitimate uh, thing to do. The the reality is that um, these subsidies are economically problematic. They cause massive distortions in the home markets and in the global markets. And uh, just as importantly, they really undermine public confidence in the global trading system. You know, if you're a company and you are playing by the rules and trying to operate in a foreign market and you have to go against a Chinese or any other Indian company that is getting billions of dollars in subsidies from the government, um, you are going to be ticked off and less likely to support the global trading system um, overall. And so when uh, the president, for example, President Obama comes back with a new trade agreement like TPP, you're going to be a little less uh, excited about that. And then the public, of course, just has a fundamental sense of fairness. Um, those that are aware of these subsidies um, think that, you know, look, that's, that's cheating and we, we want everybody to play by the rules. And of course, Trump seized on this throughout his campaign. And, and so again, uh, it does make sense to, to go, go to the WTO and to use our anti-subsidy rules that are in place to litigate these things. All right. So, but let's look at this from the purely 
uh, economic yeah. perspective, which is it is absolutely fine for these other countries to subsidize goods that you and I purchase. Yes. So if if we were all uh, homo economicus, all purely rational individuals, we would welcome... Well, if there were no uh, intervening institutions that are guided by uh, voters yes. and that were, were guided by... Uh, Robots, in you know, interest groups. Right, right, then, exactly. Then so the then the the trade relationships in that would be perfectly reasonable to say, hey, this that government should be able to subsidize whatever they want. Exactly, and and um, you know, if 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 we were if we were governed by angels, and if individuals were not <laughs> involved in selecting our our leaders, then yes, you know, Chinese government subsidizing our own consumption is a wonderful thing. Um, of course, that's that's not the case. And the reality is that when you have to choose your poison, and one poison is um, going to a a respected global trading body to litigate. Uh, the elimination of distortive government policies, subsidies, or the other option is empowering the federal government in the United States to impose massive duties at the border, um, the duties that, by the way, are going to be far more susceptible to interest group lobbying. Um, you know, we see that in our dumping law all the time. Uh, so, so when you're when you're picking your poison, the clear preference is to go to the WTO. Um, and this has actually been quite successful, believe it or not. You know, the WTO um, as an institution, it has a, a wonderfully successful dispute settlement system. It is not perfect. But when the United States, for example, wins um, at the WTO, the, the other countries tend to comply. They tend to remove the protectionism or the subsidies that have been challenged. Um, and the United States also tends to comply, not all the time, because it is a voluntary system, but, but most of the time. And so, again, uh, in order to avoid trade wars and massive tariffs and all this type of corruption and cronyism that goes along with it, there is a far better approach. And in that sense, um, you know, Trump has, has said he wants to go to the WTO more. He wants to file more WTO disputes. Uh, he wants to go after Chinese subsidies. And if he's doing it in that way, then I applaud that. I think it is a, a place where, where we can find some common ground. So what does that demand of the U.S. Yeah. when it comes to um, dealing with our own massive subsidies right. to various uh, special interest groups and uh, particular industries. Right. So there are two caveats to everything I just said, and that is that the United States really can't be a, a good global subsidy cop if we continue our rampant subsidization of various uh, industrial sectors. You know, if we are providing billions and billions of dollars of corporate welfare, and then going to the World Trade Organization and telling China and other countries to stop providing billions and billions of dollars of corporate welfare, um, that just doesn't work. Um, it not only looks bad and is hypocritical, but it will encourage non-compliance by other WTO members. You know, so I just said, you know, the WTO system is actually quite good when it comes to members complying. Well, yes, but this is a purely permissive system. So if the United States is rampantly subsidizing its own industries and then uh, aggressively litigating other subsidies, um, that that creates a tension. And of course, it likely will create uh, litigation by other WTO members against our own subsidies. So that's the first problem. 
The second problem is that we have national anti-subsidy rules, what we call countervailing duties, that are totally sanctioned uh, under WTO rules um, and theoretically legitimate, except they are applied in uh, this probably won't surprise you, um, a rather biased way, biased towards the domestic industry. Finding subsidies uh, that don't exist, uh, finding or finding the magnitude of those subsidies to be much higher than is, is really in place. So that, uh, and the United States has been challenged repeatedly at the WTO for its application of our countervailing duty law. And so that also needs reform. I mean, again, if we want to be a, a good steward and, a, and the global subsidy cop, which I think is a wonderful thing, um, we need to get our own house in order first. To what extent do uh, the countervailing duties that the U.S. Uh, attempts to apply or tries to have applied? Uh, how does that harm domestic industry? Because it does. Yeah, of course. So, domestic industry, of course, about half of everything we import is uh, industrial inputs, so things used by manufacturers to make other things. So, when you apply a m massive 50%, say, uh, countervailing duty on an input, say, steel, then um, steel consumers will suffer. They will, of course, be paying more. Now, again, there is a legitimate argument that uh, steel consumers should not be getting subsidized inputs at the expense of American steel producers or anything else. Again, this goes back to everything we just talked about. But if the duty should be 15% or 5% instead of 50%, or they can go up to 100%, because of manipulation, um, by the domestic industry, by interested political groups, politicians, and of course the bureaucracy, then that again erodes confidence in the system. So you'd have, in in this case, a misapplication of the countervailing duty law can actually lead to can actually undermine support by consuming industries because they they say, look, you know, um, yeah, subsidies. We agree that's that's an issue, but you guys are really uh, screwing us, you know, and that and that is. Uh, that's unfair, and we don't. That will undermine our. We're we're not going to support the TPP or, or whatever. Now there are cases where uh, the U.S. government has sought to protect, in in some cases, a single producer of certain products that really puts the screws to domestic consumers of those raw materials or unfinished goods, intermediate goods. When there are, it's, there are perfectly reasonable sources of those materials from overseas, and the costs and benefits, if you just look at it, just don't make any sense. If you even if you, even if the only thing you care about is American jobs, yeah. And unfortunately, our trade remedies laws do not have a public interest test, which is unfortunate. Again, this is gaming of the system by uh, by domestic constituents, um, and that is that's a a problem. The other problem is that domestic producers can often game the system. For example, they will have production themselves in a place like Vietnam, but their competition is in China, so they file a, a trade remedies case against only the Chinese producers, thus securing their own supplies of imports, but, uh, but taking out their competition. That, of course, is, is problematic for downstream consumers. Um, and you know, the International Trade Commission, which deals with injury cases, um, they are, they're their transcripts are, are replete with examples of American manufacturers who are on the consuming side complaining about having the screws put to them 
after these determinations come out, because um, they're basically left with no bargaining power. They have no choice but to accept ample price increases or uh, to wait on supply, and that hurts them and their workers. So, uh, if if Trump were to make a populist argument on behalf of eliminating subsidies for that that China or Japan or other countries give to particular uh, domestic industries for them. Uh, and package that as a global war on industrial subsidies, uh, I would think that people might respond to that. Yep. It, but at the same at the same time, there's a lot of uh, you know those special interest groups are skilled right. at capturing their uh, particular uh, benefit from the government at everybody else's expense. And so, to the extent that Trump wants to keep with this, let's drain the swamp. These persistent subsidies, uh, getting rid of them, very difficult. Yeah, yeah, and and it is very difficult. But if you package it in a way that says, "Look, I'm getting rid of of your subsidies," and this is the president talking, but in return, I vow to you to go after China's subsidies, uh, I or India's or the European Union's or wherever. Um, that I think would be more palatable. Um, probably not. Completely palatable, but but more so. Um, and again, the ideal venue is a place like the World Trade Organization. Not only because it's a more impartial um, arbiter of these disputes, as opposed to say the United States Department of Commerce, um, but also because the WTO system allows for. Uh, investigations into third country markets. So you don't have to say, oh, China subsidies are injuring U.S. producers in the U.S. market. You can say instead, China subsidies are injuring U.S. producers in the Indian market or in Europe. And that actually provides, again, a, a nice uh, additional way to, to go after these things um, and do it in a, in a far more impartial manner. But what it demands, again, the, the big point, the big picture here yeah. is that in order for the U.S. to be global subsidy cop, the U.S. needs to get rid of its own uh, industrial subsidies. Correct. And, and honestly, not just industrial subsidies. I mean, we, we subsidize the heck out of agriculture as well. Um, and so, so and to be clear, this doesn't mean that the United States government overnight has to kill every bit of corporate welfare, um, you know, some sort of libertarian fantasy there. But there are very obvious things we could do. You know, the WTO rules do not say you cannot offer a, a subsidy, for example, a basic tax credit for um, manufacturing R&D or something. What they say is, look, you can't give specific companies or specific industries, again, like steel, uh, subsidies targeted to them and subsidies that are end up uh, injuring others, uh, other companies, other countries uh, in other markets. So, th the idea that the United States would not have to overnight uh, eliminate every single um, you know, tax credit or whatever, it instead would simply have to stop favoring specific companies and specific industries. You know, a good example would be stop the Department of Energy's green, uh, green energy loan program that, that prop propped up companies like Solyndra. Stop doing that. Instead, you'd provide far more non-discriminatory basic uh, subsidies, and that'd be, that would be okay, and it would provide legitimacy, again, um, in, our, in the global trading system. 
Scott Lincecum is an adjunct scholar at the Cato Institute. Subscribe to this podcast at iTunes, Google Play, and with Cato's iOS app. And follow us on Twitter at Cato Podcast.